what a great day of worship, amen? So good to be with each and every one of you and to believe together with you and to lean into Jesus together. Thank you. This is my lovely assistant, Matt, today. Thank you so much, Matt. Great job. Hey, I just want you to know that there is still kindness in the world. Um, about four years ago, take you back just a little bit, um, we had one of those, you know, things where if you shop at a certain store, so when we live in Washington, you shop at a certain store, you, you gain some points, and your points can get you, you know, like, you know, gas, you know, money off your gas. And so, um, anyway, uh, we were rocking along there, and I realized we had 40 cents a gallon off gas. And I'm like, yes! And so, um, at the same time, I'm like, when did we spend that much money there to get 40 cents off on gas? And I thought, well, maybe Terry spent money there. So I'm like, hey, did you know that we had 40 cents off a gallon at the store? She's like, no, but that's awesome. And I said, yeah. I said, well, did you spend enough money to get 40 cents off a gallon? She's like, no, I really don't remember. And so well, as the store would go, about a week before that, our vehicle was broken into, and my wife's purse was stolen uh, with her debit card and all that kind of good stuff. And the thieves were kind enough that when they went and shopped at the store, they just went ahead and let the points go on our account. So there's still kindness in the world, right? Now, that's not the kind of kindness that I want for my kids, but I do want my kids to have the right kind of kindness, right? There are a lot of other things I want for my kids and that you want for your kids. We want them to be kind. We want them to be just good, right, in general. There's so many things that we want and we pray for our kids. And so today on Mother's Day, we just thought it'd be really good to speak into the moms, but also to speak into parents. So dads too today, and talk about some biblical views of parenting that can hopefully encourage us and help us as we're raising kids during this day and during this time. And so today our talk, our message is the time is now. And with that question, uh, with that uh, being said, I want to ask a question. It's a big question. I want you to write it down. I think somewhere in your notes there it says the question. There's some blanks. And here it is. What is the faith of the next generation worth? Think about that for just a moment. Process that. That's a huge, powerful, important question. What is the faith of the next generation worth? Well, I want to give you a one-word answer that I think you'll agree with. The answer is everything. That's what the faith of the next generation is worth. It's worth everything. I believe that's the answer for us if we have small kids that are in that next generation or for grandparents who have small kids who are in the next generation, or for an aunt or an uncle of small kids who are in the next generation, or if we're just a single who has friends who has kids, and we know people that are growing up in this next generation, or if you're a school teacher and you're teaching a classroom full of students, what is the faith of the next generation worth? I think the answer is everything. And if the answer is everything, then we have to ask ourselves as parents, as grandparents, as aunts, as uncles, as believers, are we doing everything we possibly can to make sure that the next generation is passed down this incredible faith that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, if that sounds a little overwhelming to you, I believe that it should. 
Because I think it's an incredible task that God has given us in influencing the next generation towards faith in Him. I also think that as we think about the next generation and helping them and sharing with them our faith so that they will have faith as well, I think a couple more things that are overwhelming and really hard. I think following Jesus is hard. Anybody else trying to follow Jesus would agree, like, it's hard. It's not easy. Anybody? Okay. All right. Four of you are following or four of you it's hard. I don't know which way that works, but I think you're processing this. Yeah, it's hard. I think we'd also agree parenting is hard, right? Some of you right now, you have little kids, and they're screaming, and they're crying, and diapers, and all that kind of stuff. And you're like, can it get any harder? And some of you have teenagers, and you're like, oh, yes. It can get harder. And then some of you have grown kids, and you're like, oh, yes. It can get harder, right? Um, it's very, very challenging. So what I know is I need some help and encouragement in my following of Jesus. I need some help and encouragement parenting. And I'm just assuming that most of you in the room could use some help and use encouragement in those areas as well. So that's what I hope our time together today does. And just kind of this what if. What if we as parents made some minor adjustments in our parenting that actually brought about a huge impact in our kids and in the next generation? What if we as parents made some minor adjustments that would have a huge impact on the next generation. Well, as parents, I think we all kind of lean the same direction in that we want our kids to be good, and at the same time we want them to be good, I think we want them to be happy. Again, um, thinking back to when you have little ones, or if you have little ones right now, we have four kids. Thank you for praying for us. We have four kids, and when they were little, we had four kids that were four and under. Four kids, four and under. And a few of you in this room know what that's like. You've experienced that before, right? My wife is still living and breathing, and all four of our kids are still living and breathing. We call that success. We call that good parenting. We call that, whew, all right? But we can think back, because our oldest is 12 now, and we have a 10-year-old, and we have twins that are seven. But we can think back, and we can remember when our kids were little. It's not far enough away for us to remember that. And in particular, when we had four that were four and under, and the two, the twins, were going sideways, right? You know, they needed to eat. They needed to, you know, they needed to clean diaper, whatever it was. They were going crazy. The things that we would do to help our kids just be happy, right? The shows that we would watch, right, for our kids to be happy. And we would turn it on and go, ah, right? It's like amazing, you know? We'd do that for them to be happy. But there were, when it comes to shows um, and life, there were two things that we really we, we fought hard for. We're like, God, we want you to know, we want our kids to know that you exist, and we want our kids to never know that Barney exists, right? That was, we accomplished it, right? Like, we, we found other stuff that we watched, and it was great. Um, you shove food down them, right, to make them happy. Now, for those of you that just have one kid, uh, I know for you it's always good, healthy food, right? But for those of us that have, like, more than one kid, at some point you're like, just make them happy, right? Just shove it down them. We, we put food down them to make them happy. We do stuff to make them happy. The problem with that is some of us never allow ourselves and our parenting to mature out of that as our kids grow. And the next thing you know, all we're concerned about with our kids is them being good. That's great. And them being happy. But here's what we know. The older they get, the more expensive it gets to keep them happy. Am I right? And then you spend all that money and they're still not happy. 
So is that the end goal of parenting? Is it for them to be good and happy? Because we want to impress everybody with our parenting, right? We want them to see our kids. We want them to see good and to see happy. We especially want to impress our mother-in-law. You know, we want her to think that our kids are good and that they're happy and that we're the best parents ever. So is that the purpose of parenting, to make everybody think that we're good parents? Or maybe the purpose of parenting is all about our kids. Or maybe, just maybe, it's about something more. Maybe, just maybe, it's about something that is deeper. I believe that it is about something more. I believe that it is something, excuse me, about something that is deeper. Um, so I said earlier about the four kids, four and under. Um, thankfully today... Our kids are old enough, we're not changing diapers anymore, right? They can feed themselves. We can say, go take a shower. We can say, go clean your room, right? So if your parents have really little ones, like, you will survive, right? That day is coming. It's coming. But here's what I know. Every day we say the same things over and over. We don't say, go take a shower, and poof, it magically happens. We say it over, and we say it over, and we say it over. Last night, perfect timing. Um, we had quite the pile of laundry going on in our house. It was all clean but needed to be folded. Maybe your house is perfect. Ours is not. Anyway, piles of laundry. We also try to get our kids to carry their load and fold and put up and all that kind of stuff. So our 10-year-old was told to get his, his laundry finished up, and so he's working on it. Well, the time came, laundry done or not, it's like, you got to go get a shower. So, hey, go get a shower. I go to the other room. I think my 10-year-old is in the shower. Time goes by, I'm thinking he's done. I go check on him. He is asleep on the pile of laundry. I'm not even joking, like laid out. I mean, drooling over the clean laundry. And I picked him up and both, you know, I'm like walking him through the house. You will get in the shower, you know, turn the water on, get in there. Anyway, remind them over and over again. Repeat over and over and over and over again. Oh, this is how it goes so many times in life. So as we think about parenting and we think about life and we think about what the purpose of our parenting is, let me give you what I think matters most about parenting. You want to write this down? It's not on the screen. I'd encourage you to write it down. You can come up with a different, most important, but for me, this is where it lands for me. And that is when it comes to parenting, what matters most is that my child has an authentic relationship with God. I'm going to repeat that. What matters most is that my child has an authentic relationship with God. So as we think about God and bring him into the equation of parenting, surely that means we need the church, right? Absolutely we need the church. We need the church to help us in our parenting. We need our church to help us in our disciple-making. We need our church to help us in, in sharing the gospel. But let me share something with you to hopefully... Um, maybe shake you a little bit, maybe awaken you just a little bit, especially if you still got kids at home. Listen to me. If a kid comes to our church like the average kid comes to our church, the average amount of time, guess how many hours per year our church has to pour into your child if they come the way the average kid does? Our church has 40 hours a year. 40 hours out of the entire year to influence and impact your children. Now, I'll tell you this. 
We are doing our dead level best. Some of them are back there serving right now. Your children doing their dead level best to make every moment of the hour or so that they're going to be here this morning because we value it absolutely at a high, high level. Some of you are like, well, I'm not average. I'm above average. Okay, let's double it. Let's say you take advantage of Sundays here with HC Kids and you take advantage of Wednesdays with HC Kids and you're not the average. Let's, let's double it, okay? 80 hours do we have as a church to influence and impact your kid. Again, we're going to take every one of those moments seriously, but that's only 80 hours out of the year. Guess how many hours per year the average parent has in spending time with and impacting their child? Guess how many hours? 3,000 hours per year on average you have with your child to impact them and to influence them. 80 hours here if you're above average, 3,000 hours at home with you. We think that's absolutely huge. So it brings me to this. Parent, you are the most influential person in your child's life. You are the most influential person in your child's life. Don't let anyone or anything make you believe any different than that. For instance, have you ever asked yourself, why do they always do the things that are bad about me? Why do they repeat the word that I said that I don't want them to repeat? Why do they mimic me here? Why do they react there? Why do they pick all the bad stuff about me? Let me tell you why. Because you are the most influential person in their life. And at the same time that they pick those things up, and they are and they will, and you're not perfect and I'm not perfect, they are also going to pick up on all the things that we do that are good, that are holy, that are like Jesus. I'm telling you, you are the most influential person in your child's life. No one comes anywhere close. God has set you up supernaturally to be the spiritual leader of your kids. I'm going to say that again. God has set you up supernaturally to be the spiritual leader of your kids. Well, I throw that term around, spiritual leader, and I'm just going to assume that we don't really know what that means. So I want to give you a definition. It's not going to come on the screen, but I want to give it to you. I'd love for you to write it down. Here's what we mean by spiritual leadership when it comes to parenting, okay? Spiritual leadership. Assuming the primary responsibility to help your kid advance in their spiritual growth. I'll repeat that. Assuming the primary responsibility to help your kid advance in their spiritual growth. Did you hear what I just said? You are saying above everybody else, I have more influence and I'm going to leverage my influence with my child toward Jesus. I am going to be their spiritual leader. Are there going to be other spiritual leaders? Absolutely. Are they going to have great people in HC Kids and in church and in ministries? Yes, but you are saying, I understand God has placed me here with more influence and I'm going to leverage that for his honor and for his glory. In other words, you are to be the one, mom, dad, you are to be the one that influences your child most in helping them find and follow Jesus. You're called to disciple your child. The main point I want to give you is on the screen, and that is this. Okay? What happens at home is as important as what happens in the church. Whoa, what? What happens at home is as important 
as what happens in the church. I, 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 I almost, I wrestled with it, I almost put more important, but I don't want to devalue the church one bit. But I'm going to tell you, you are spending hour upon hour with your children. They are watching everything you do and everything you don't do. And what happens at home is as important as what happens in the church. Let me just give you a suggestion. I, I, what if the reason why we're seeing so many high schoolers, in particular college-age students, what if the reason why we're seeing so many of them walk away from the church and walk away from faith is because they were shown and taught and told the faith within the church, but they went home with mom and dad and never, ever, ever saw it lived out, and they dealt with hypocrisy their entire life, and now they're getting their choice to do what they want to do. And they're like, if that's what church gets me, is showing up and acting one way and going home and acting another, I'm out. Could that be one of the huge reasons why we're seeing young people walk away from church and the faith? Well, as we think about what happens at home being as important as what happens in the church, I want you to check out Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we'll begin in verse number 1 in just a moment. Um, Old Testament, so let me kind of catch you up where we are in the story in the Old Testament in the book of Deuteronomy. Moses has been their spiritual leader. If you uh, know much about the story in the Old Testament of the Jews, the Hebrew people, um, they were slaves for a ton of years in the nation of Egypt. God sent ten plagues and got them out. And when he got them out, they crossed the Red Sea. Incredible story. And then after a uh, few events that took place, uh, they eventually found themselves, because of not listening to God, wandering around in the desert for 40 years, for 40 years. So that's just about a lifetime for me, 40 years wandering around. When this wandering around in the desert, God did some amazing things. He fed them every single day in the middle of the desert. He brought them Food. We sang a song earlier about water coming from a rock. It's in reference to this part of history when they were out in the middle of the desert and they needed water and God literally made water come out of a rock for an entire nation of people. In other words, God was their provider. There was no questioning who brought them food. There was no questioning who gave us water today. They're about to come out of this desert and go into this place that God had planned for them called the promised land. In this promised land, they were going to begin to experience the comforts of the promised land. They were going to be able to grow their own food. They were going to be able to go down to the river every day and get their own water. They were going to be able to build their own house they were going to start to get to do the things they wanted and desired to do. And it was going to be really easy for these people to say, you know what? I'm not recognizing God as my provider because I walk down to the river every day. Because I hoed my garden. Because I planted the seed. Because I did, because I did, because I did. And Moses knew this. And he knew they were going to have a tendency to forget that God was their provider. And that God was their redeemer. And that God was their rescuer. And God was their sustainer. And he was afraid they were going to put God in this little bitty box over here. Which God can't fit in a box, by the way. But they were going to put God in a little box over and put him over there. He was afraid that at best... They were going to bring him out once a week and say, oh, hey, God, how you doing? Sunday morning. And then put him back and then go on about their business. Or 
Maybe only bring him out once a year. Hey, God, how you doing? Happy Easter. See you later. He feared this for them. And so he begins to speak into their lives. And what he's writing in Deuteronomy chapter 6 is not to the kids. It's to the spiritual leaders. And when I said spiritual leaders, you've you're, you're, you got to be thinking about this in the context we're talking about this morning. We're not just talking about the, the religious leaders of the day. We're not just talking about the leaders of the church. We're talking about parents. Spiritual leaders, okay? That's who you are. If you're a parent, whether you recognize it or not, you're a spiritual leader. Now, some things they didn't have in that day that we do have in that day that we would say are great, but we also can admit they are distractions, and we'd also admit cause us to maybe quicker say, I don't need God, but just think about the things that they didn't have. They didn't have smartphones. They didn't have internet. They didn't have cable. They didn't have the NFL. They didn't have... um, Walmart, uh-oh, what would we do? How would we provide? What would happen? They didn't have Starbucks. I mean, like, how did they survive? But yet Moses, even knowing they didn't have all those things, they were about to forget who God is. Look at verse number one. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. Who? Parents. Who? Grown-ups. Who? Spiritual leaders. You must obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy. You're about to leave this nowhereville, and you're about to enter into the promised land. This is what you've got to do. Verse 2, And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Life. Look at the last phrase there on that verse. You will enjoy a long life. Enjoy a long life. You think about enjoyment and you think about a long time. You put those two together. Who doesn't want that? Enjoy for a long time this life. And he's saying, I'm giving you the path. I'm giving you the direction. I'm giving you the steps to follow to enjoy a long life. Not just for you, but as you lead this path, your kids and your grandkids too. I want better for my kids, right? I want better for my grandkids. And he's saying, if you want to enjoy a long life, here's how you do it. Coming from a God who has just rescued them and put them in this place. We see prophecy and promise happening both at the same time here. We're seeing that the family, listen to me, the family, in particular the parents, play a huge role in this great mission of God called redemption. Redemption meaning buying someone out of their stuckness in sin into freedom that can only come through Jesus Christ. The family, the parents in particular, play a huge role in this thing called redemption. So parent or not, married or not, your actions... And your decisions impact the next generation. They just do. And so the things that we're deciding to do today as grown-ups, as adults, are going to impact our kids. They're going to impact our grandkids. And so he's saying you want to be very, very careful with that. Look on to verse number 3. Listen closely. He's going to say listen a few times. It's almost as if God understands this parenting thing. Are you with me? You're talking to your kid, and they're like, you know. 
Uh, the other day, I got on to one of my kids, and they ran to the room, and they were kind of, you know, huffy and whatever. And I, you know, went in there as calm as I possibly could at that moment. And, and I said, hey, um, I'm, I'm talking to you. Are you listening? But their face was completely covered. I said, I need you to look at me. So the covers came down to here. And I said, I need to see your entire face. And finally it dropped. I need to see your face. I need to know you're listening to me. Right? I need a yes, sir, when I speak, right? Moms, need a yes, ma'am, right? Like we need, we need some acknowledgement that you are hearing what we are saying right now. God is not talking to kids here. He's talking to grown-ups. He's talking to his children. That's you and that's I. And listen to what he says. He says, listen closely, Israel, my people, and be careful to obey then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Verse 4, here it is again. Listen, I need to see your face. Look at me. Respond to me. Grunt. Do something. Listen, O Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You know what Lord means, right? Like ruler, master, the one we take our orders and our direction from. God is telling us, mature people, grown people, adults, parents, listen, I want to be your Lord. When your kids wonder who the Lord is, I want them to know who he is by them watching you obey me. I wonder, just wonder, just wonder if there is a connection. And this is not easy to say, not easy to think about. I wonder if there's a connection between how much our kids listen to us and obey us in relation to how much we listen to God and we obey Him. Mm. That's not an amen statement right there, is it? That's like, whew, man, what? I wonder. I just wonder. Just listen. Listen, verse number 5. And you must love the Lord your God with all your what? Heart. Say it. And all your what? Soul. And all your what? strength. Be reminded as he is calling us to love him, we are talking about the God of love. How do we know God loves us? How do we know? How much does he love us? I think we could answer that question a lot of different ways. You could tell your neighbor, like he loves me a ton, he loves me a lot, he loves me this much, he loves me this much. But let me, let me just help you out. God loves us so much that he gave what? His one and only son. That's the God who's speaking to me and to you right now. That's the God who is speaking to them. For them, Jesus was going to come. For us, we have an advantage. We get to look back. We know that he did come, and he suffered a death on the cross for our sin and all the stupid, foolish, unbelievable, ungodly things we've ever done. And he's saying to me, I love you. I've redeemed you. I want you in return to love me with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength. This is coming from the father who said, I've given you my son. Talking to parents, does that not go a little bit deeper? If you've got a kid, can you imagine giving up your son, your daughter for somebody else? That's what God did for us in Jesus. So when he's calling us to love him, we're getting this from a loving, loving God. Verse 6, you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Verse 7. It's an everyday kind of faith, okay? Verse 7. Repeat them again and again. Sound like parenting? Repeat them again and again. 
probably every day if you have kids, and it doesn't even matter if they're like in elementary, maybe you're like teenager, you say things like brush your teeth, right? <laughs> brush your teeth. Brush your teeth. I said brush your teeth. Next thing, brush your teeth. Brush your teeth. Would you please brush your teeth? Right? Repeating. Why? We don't want our kids' teeth to fall out, right? We repeat things that are important. And here's the things that he tells us to repeat. All of this that's been talked about, the decrees, the commands, the goodness, the love, all of this of God, we're supposed to repeat it again and again to your who? Come on, say it. To your who? All right. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed, and when you are getting up. I think it's really, really interesting that he doesn't say talk about them when you are at the temple. Talk about them when you are at church. There's an assumption based on how they're going to function that they're going to go to those religious activities. He is focused on what happens in the home with the family. Repeat them again and again and again every Sunday. No, not every Sunday, every day. Every day that you get up, every day that you eat breakfast, every day that you go somewhere, every day that you eat something, every time that you go to bed, repeat them over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Why? So they will get it. So that one day you don't have to tell them to brush their teeth. So that one day you just know that they know and it becomes who they are because they begin caring for their teeth, caring for their soul in such a way, repeating it over and over and over and over again, that one of these days you know that they have a care for your soul the way you have a care for their soul and that only Jesus can really care for their soul, repeating that over and over and over and over again. Remind, repeat. It's parenting, it's also discipleship. When you start reminding and repeating them, repeating to them the things of Jesus, you are discipling your children. So we get some times here, and it says to uh, talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you go to bed, when you're getting up. Let me give you some of these things you can put in your notes. First one's morning time. Morning time. Um, when you're getting up, like be a coach. Remind them it's a day of mercy, right? Like, let's think about this, and let's take our kids out of it just a second. Like, do you have days where you blow it, and you blow it really bad? And, like, let's be honest. Like, God, if he was just, like, judge and just, like, ruler and just, like, went by the letter of the law, probably should have killed you last night, right? But he let you live, giving you a morning of mercy. You ever have those days at parents? Like, yesterday I probably should have killed them. But I didn't. I let them live. And it's a new day. It's a new day of mercy. Sometimes you've got to remind them of that. I brought you in this world. I could have taken you out. I didn't. Obviously, I'm being a little extreme here, but, you know, maybe not so much sometimes, right? But thankfully, you've all let your kids live, and I've let my kids live. Thankfully, God let us live. Remind them of that mercy that comes from God through us to them. Coach them up. Remind them who they are. Remind them whose they are. Remind them what their role and their mission is for that day. Listen, if you don't know what your mission for that day is, you don't know what to tell your kids their mission is for that day. Guess what? Their mission is your mission. Guess what my mission is and your mission is? My mission and your mission as followers of Jesus is to help other people find and follow Jesus. Your kids need to know that's their mission in life every single day. Wear them out with it. Make sure you get worn out with it first to the point that you're doing it. Mealtime. When you're at home, I know this is hard, right? Like, 
we have four kids, we play sports, we do all that stuff. It's challenging, right? Mealtime is, is precious to us. Last night, uh, we got to have a meal all together. We enjoyed most every minute of it. Um, we, we're going to have a meal together today. We, we value that and we strive for that. Let me, let me give you a little stat. This is according to some statisticians that are out there, some research that's been done. Um, there are a bunch of them out there that are showing this. But anyway, showing that the chances of kids, listen to me, who eat meals with their family have a greater chance of never taking drugs or going to prison. Those are two things I don't want for my kids. I don't want them to take drugs, and I don't want my kids to go to prison. Could me eating with them on a regular basis impact that? Statistics are saying that it will. Have a meal with your kids. It's very, very important. Don't do it around the TV. Get around the table and have a meal with your kids. Drive time. Drive time. When you're on the road, drive time. Now, I know that phones and TVs and radio and all kinds of things come into, the, come into the way here, and I'm not saying it's wrong to have the radio on or be watching a show when you're traveling or whatever, but uh, for me, uh, I, I really enjoy drive time. One of the coolest drive times I have right now is my oldest son uh, goes to the middle school, and the other three go to the elementary school. Mom normally takes the three to elementary school, and I get one-on-one time with my oldest son every morning for about six or seven minutes on the way to school. We don't talk the whole time. But it's really, really cool time. Sometimes we talk the whole time. Sometimes we talk about stuff that's a big deal. Sometimes we just talk about stuff. Sometimes we talk about sports. A lot of times we talk about relationships, what's going on at school, uh, whether it's with teachers or whether it's with other kids, whether it's somebody acting like an idiot or him acting like an idiot or whatever. Like we talk about that stuff, right? And we try to talk about Jesus too. Drive time. Such a cool time to have those conversations with. And you never know where that conversation will go. You're driving down the road, especially if little ones, you're driving down the road. You're seeing this beautiful sunset. Guess the question you could ask. Hey, kids, do you know who created that? Guess what you just did? You just taught them a huge truth about who God is as creator. The next one, bedtime. Bedtime. Bedtime's so important, all right? Um, I, I want to remind you, man, don't send your kids to bed. Take them to bed. Don't send your kids to bed, take them to bed. Now, depending on what age they are, that looks a little bit different. Um, and so for us right now, our, all of our kids can, can read. And so we're doing our best to encourage them to read a daily devotional that we have given them, that it's age appropriate for them. Sometimes they'll say, hey, I'm not finished reading my devotional yet. Can I have a few more minutes before I go to sleep? Absolutely. Yes. That's so much better than hearing, can I finish this show? Because they say that too, right? So we have those holy moments every now and then. Hey, I'm reading my Bible. Can I keep reading? Is this really happening right now? Like, look at this, a God moment, right? It happens by encouragement. When they were young, we, we read the Bible to them, appropriate Bible stories to them every single night. We still pray with our kids every night. Our kids will normally, unless they're just wiped out, they won't go to sleep until one of us comes in and prays with them. Why? Because it's part of our rhythm. It's part of what we do. I'm not trying to sound spiritual to you. I'm just saying it's doable, okay? I'm just saying it's doable, and these bedtimes are so important and scriptural. You see them right there in verse number 7, repeating these things over and over and over again. So you get done with bedtime. They're all in bed. And then the real spiritual experience takes place. You and mom get to sit down on the couch. Whew. Right? Like a little bit of worship happens in that moment. Thank you, Jesus. You're so Thanks for our kids. We're really happy they're in bed right now. Please don't let them get up needing anything. Please don't let them get up. It's a spiritual experience right now in that moment. 
Um, talk about the gospel all the time. Write that down. Talk about the gospel all the time. Write that down. Talk about the gospel all the time. Well, how old should they be when I start talking about the gospel with my kids? Yes. When do they get too old for me to stop talking about the gospel with my children? Never. What if they're not quite to the age of understanding everything? Talk about the gospel. What if the age, like, where they're starting to realize, like, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior? Talk about the gospel. What about after they've placed their faith in Christ and they're already a believer, already been baptized and everything? Talk about the gospel. The gospel is the center of our faith. Talk about Jesus over and over again, his death, his burial, and resurrection. Pound it into your kids with love and with grace and with humility. Talk about the gospel. Help them to know that you need just as much grace from Jesus as they need from Jesus. If you are trying to let your kids think that you're a perfect parent who doesn't need Jesus, you're messing up royally. They see your faults. They better hear about how you need Jesus to talk about the gospel over and over again. The number one thing I hear from parents consistently, and I've been a pastor for quite a few years now, and from parents I hear this quite often. Well, I just... I don't want to mess it up. And if you've ever said that, I'm not making little of you, because it's a concern, right? I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to say something that's wrong. I don't want to misdirect them. I don't want to misguide them. Let me tell you the only bad gospel conversations that you can have. You listening? The only bad gospel conversations that you can have are the ones that you don't have. Talk about the gospel with your kids. Here's what you'll find out. They'll probably teach you more about the gospel. Then you know about the gospel. I don't forget when our kids was four years old, and we had a conversation about the Trinity that wouldn't quit. And I walked away. I'm like, he gets it. I don't. I just, I don't. What? Talk about eternity, right? Like, how long is heaven going to last? That's a pretty cool conversation, right? Stretch your head just a little bit. Get, 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 what? How does that happen? This is the beauty of having these conversations and all these incredible moments. So now is the time, and I got to. Wrap up here, but now's the time. I got a jar sitting up here, and the reason why it's sitting up here is because there's marbles in it. If you were part of baby dedication yesterday, you recognize this. There are 936 marbles in here, okay? And they don't represent the marbles that you lose, you know, as a parent. Uh, they represent the weeks that you have with your child from the time they are born through high school graduation. 936. Some of you are trying to do math really, really fast right now because you've got a junior higher or you've got a high schooler, and you're like, what? 936, and it just goes by like that. There's some parents in the room that, like, next week is Senior Sunday, and they thought that was going to come, like, 10 years from now, and here it is, boom, right? Uh, Roger, man, he's great. How, if y'all haven't hung out with Roger Taylor yet, what an incredible asset he is to us and a pastor and, uh, man, he's grown. He's got grown kids. And something he said the other day when we were talking about this and the time, it, it just in so many words, he said, don't check out, man. Like, even when you hit zero on these marbles, don't check out. Don't quit having gospel conversations. Don't quit pursuing your children. So if you've got grown children, don't, don't keep having gospel conversations with them. Keep on. But as you think about this and the time flying by, now is the time. Now is the time. On the screen, you're going to see um, a tool that we've been talking about. If you haven't downloaded it yet, if you have kids that are at home, no matter what age they are, you need to download this app called the Parent Q. Um, you see it there. It's also in your program. You can take a snapshot of that. What do you call those things? 
that funny looking thing on screen there, and it'll send you to the link. Anyway, you can download it. You put in the name. It'll ask you what church you're part of, Holland Chapel. It'll connect you to some things we're doing here. No matter what age your kid is, it's going to help you, even if they're like in junior high. Like this is probably some stuff they're dealing with in their life right now. Here's some helps on how you can talk to them. If it's a, if it's a younger one, it's going to help you there, the parent queue. I really want you to download that. We want to give you some tools, some resources that will be helpful to you in your parenting. So in wrapping this up, some next steps for you to consider. I've got two of them. And the first one is this, okay? First next step, maybe just to spend intentional time with my kids. Maybe you've let that slip lately. You're busy, I'm busy, they're busy, everybody's busy, right? So you've got to be intentional about it. You've got to say, we're going to do this no matter what. If it's a bedtime thing or a mealtime thing or if it's a go somewhere thing or whatever, be intentional about it. And when you're in that moment, don't miss those moments, it's so easy to do, right? Like we're just hoping that everybody's happy, right? That's what we fall into sometimes. Be intentional about it. If you have more than one kid, you need to be intentional about figuring out how to have some one-on-one time with each of your kids. That's very challenging, but I want to encourage you to do it. Next. By the way, I'll pause before I go to the next one. My kids aren't grown yet, so there's still a lot of risk and a lot of unknowns involved, right? I have no idea which way they're going to go. I have no idea. I don't have this figured out. I'm not up here today to say, do this, and everything will turn out great. I just want to encourage you to point your kids to Jesus. Encourage me to point my kids to Jesus, okay? So maybe the next step for you is just to pray that the next generation, okay, will have faith. Pray for the faith of this next generation. For me, four people's faces come to my head immediately when I think about that. If you have grandkids, you may have eight or ten or twelve faces that come to your mind right now. I need to pray for them. If you're a school teacher, you have a classroom full of people. Their faces are in front of you right now. May we pray for the faith of this next generation. And maybe the best thing we can do for the faith of the next generation is have faith ourselves. Not just a faith that says, I get up on Sunday morning and go to church. That's cool. That's great. That's wonderful. Keep doing that. But a faith that says, on Monday, God, what do you want me to do? I'll do that too. Tuesday, God, what do you want me to do? I'll do that too. Every day. Every day. And if you've never placed your faith in Christ... Man, the Savior that we've been talking about this morning, he loves you, he died for you, he came back from the dead for you, and he wants to save you today. Let's pray.